fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. You notice that? Sun goes up, sun goes down. Next thing you know, another month has gone. Last day of January, I got to get work today on my guy. Hate last, hate the end of the month. A lot of stuff to get done because the end of the month touches the beginning of the month. They're kind of the same, aren't they? A lot of stuff I have to do at the first of the month. A lot of stuff I got to do at the end of the month. And here they come crashing together. Some this probably wasted to say this, but some of you need to go to the website to join. Having trouble getting into the queue this morning because uh, our administrators changed the link around a little bit. Some of our security issues. So if you can't get in, quit emailing me. <laughs> Go to CoachDaveLive.com. Click on Join the Huddle. Boom, you'll be in. All right? Because a lot of you play on the use that old link. That old link's dead. We, they killed that old link. So uh, get off that old link. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Got, got a great week. I had a great weekend. Had just active, active weekend. I want to I hear people joining, clicking, doing all this stuff. Let, let me – oh, man, so much – I gotta, I gotta get some thank yous in before we go. Craig, uh, Craig Mickle, and Rusty, they both earned a varsity letter this weekend at our event in Maryland. Uh, Craig told me he was hoping that maybe there would be. Uh, he's hoping for, uh, for fifty, and I thought, yeah, all right, I've been to these before, first events. And uh, I thought, I, said, I, hope, I hope we get 10. That's what I'm saying in my heart. And uh, we had over 50. And Craig, Craig did, uh, did a, oh, my goodness, did a great job. I, I'll say this publicly. Craig is growing in his faith and growing. As I'm just, I sat back and I watched in amazement. And I said, you know what, Craig, I, I didn't say this to you. Boy, oh, boy, is there evidence. The cue's been good for you, Craig. The cue's been good for you, man. And you're grown, and it, that's all good. And we had a great crowd. Myra, Myra is growing. At the end of the event, Craig said, who wants to pray? There's 50 people in the room, probably. Nobody wants. You ever notice that? Nobody ever wants to pray. Nobody ever wants to. In fact, men don't want to pray. It makes me sad. That no Men don't step up with the authority of the Holy Spirit and pray. And Myra says, I'll pray. Wow. Myra walked up in front of everybody and said the most precious prayer. So Myra's growing. Craig, Rusty, Bobby Lee shows up, does all the filming. A lot of videos. Bobby's thrown a bunch of them up at Coach Dave Live already. They go to the video section. There was some great stuff there. It was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we have to, folks, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together even more as we see that day approaching. It's critical we get together. I had a meeting yesterday down in Dayton uh, regarding uh, an event we have coming up. And, you know, it's, a real, it's real hard to get a mix on these, on these events because there's so much information to get out, so many people to wake up, yet the fellowship is so rich. Because uh, we could just bring everybody in a room and just let them go sit in corners and talk to each other. And it would be a, it would be a great event, but we did. We had a really, really, really successful event, and I know that Craig's going to Craig and Rusty are going to continue to to make that thing grow. And it was listen, folks, it wasn't that expensive. They rented a building for a hundred bucks. They had like an old Grange Hall for a hundred bucks. Perfect situation. Everything about it was good. The restrooms. They catered in food. You can do it, man. You can do it. Come on, let's get them going right where you are. Get them going, Myra. Come on in and see. Get your hand up there. Come on. Good morning, saints. I want to say uh, praise and glory to the Father. And um, I want to say thank you to the beautiful wives, uh, Craig and Rusty wives, that 
they're just beautiful. West yes, beautiful yeah. run, family run event. And all I can say is that um, we're growing as a as a collective, all of us, and it's, we're just it's just going to get better and better. Uh, praise the Lord. Thank you. Amen, Myra. And listen, I said this yesterday. Yeah, on Sunday, and uh, uh, not Saturday. We were in, as in, uh, where was I? Maryland on Saturday. Thanks to Mike Blake for driving me out there and going with me too. Thanks, Mike. Mike and I had a good time together going out. And uh, then yesterday, I went clear west of west, clear to Dayton to another meeting. And I made a statement there. My wife elbowed me on the way home. That ever happened to you guys? Did you guys ever say anything and you get elbowed on the way home? I got elbowed on the way home. But the truth is the truth. So I'm just going to say the truth again. Uh, why are women so far ahead of men spiritually? Does anybody, does anybody have an answer on that? Why are women so far ahead of the men spiritually? Because they are. Go ahead, James. You got, an answer, got an answer for that? They're afraid, Dave. They're, the men they, are? they placed their fear in the wrong place. I had to repent of it. Mm, I think it's true. What are, they, what are they afraid of, James? What, what a minute! What are we afraid of? Why? Why aren't women afraid? I uh, I was. <laughs> I think we're, we're afraid. Here. We're afraid of being courageous. <laughs> We've been cowardly. <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple. We, afraid we, of being, yeah, that's good. That's a good line. <laughs> afraid of being courageous. We are. We are. And here's what I notice. And I, I don't want to listen. I just notice things. So I say them. Okay. And I'm, I'm not trying. I could give a rat's behind if I offend you. Okay. I don't want to. But if you get offended by something I say, check your own heart. Okay. Just check your own heart. <clears throat> I was simply stating that I know from experience that my wife and I, she elbowed me on the way home, that there is tension in many homes because of this show. You don't have to say amen. You don't have to say amen. Because we see, for whatever reason, some people in the relationship are growing and some people are not. And when the person who isn't growing reaches their point, they want to try to reel you back in. Then they start throwing out accusations of what? You're in a cult. You're not the same person you used to be. What happened to you? I know I know this has gone on. I know it's gone on. I just know it's gone on. And the last thing that I want to do, elbow, Michelle's elbowing me and I'm elbowing her. Last thing I want to do is bring division in a family. I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. But the truth is, friends. Jesus said that he would bring division. <laughs> it's scriptural. And so do I, do I say to somebody, okay, well, uh, this is causing tension in your marriage at home. Oh, I'm sorry. Stop growing spiritually. Just stop growing spiritually and everything will be okay at your house. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Because I don't, I don't really have a solution to it. I really don't. I really don't. And, uh, but I'm, 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 intuitively aware of the tension that's being created. But you got folks, the scripture tells, oh man, <clears throat> the scripture tells us your enemies will be those of your own household. And I think James was right. For whatever reason, men have become cowardly and afraid to speak up. Whether it's loss of job, whether it's loss of influence, whether it's afraid to be criticized, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what it is. You guys know? Anybody know what's going on? Why is it? Now listen, hear me. Not in every case, all right. We got strong men. We got men who are growing, and I, I see it. And that man, but golly, sometimes sadly, you can only go as far as you can, as your family will permit you to go. And, you know, if you study cults, one of the things that cults do is cults try to separate you from your family. That is the last thing I want to do. I want your wife to come along with you. I want your husband to come along with you. I want you to become an influence in your community. I want the two of you to think about having a home Bible study. I'm wondering about, see, we shouldn't even be calling them home churches because those two words don't even go together, do they? Home fellowship, 
gathering in your home. I want the two of you to be together. I want unity, not disunity. I want harmony. But Jesus said he came to bring a sword. He came to divide. He's the rock of offense. The closer you get to Jesus Christ, if you're not grounded and rooted in your relationships, the more the more rough those relationships are going to be. And I don't I don't want it to be that way. I don't want it to be that way. I don't want to cause that. I want to, I want you I want you to love one another. Come on in, Larry. Somebody bail me out here. Yeah, I, I think one of the situations that causes that problem is that women have a much easier time undergoing um, submission to Jesus than men do because men have this thought in their head somewhere that they're supposed to be in charge and stuff and submitting to Jesus it just doesn't fit into their equation that much and I think that's probably a lot of it I think a lot of it too Larry's I think we've done a horrible job in our churches of training men to be the head of their houses I think we've done a horrible job we put we've put far too much dependency on the pastor that the pastor is the head of the family not not the not the male and a lot of it has to do with our upbringing and you know I'm as I often say I'm 69 going on 70, and I'm a product of my own spiritual upbringing in my house with my mom and my dad. My dad was, we were Catholic. My dad was Catholic. My mom was. My mom never converted. My mom was always going to a Protestant church, and my dad was always taking us to Mass. And so dad would take us to Mass. He was faithful in doing that, but he taught me nothing about faith, religion, the Lord. My dad taught me nothing about it, nothing, because he didn't know. But we went and we were faithful. We learned to go to church. But then when I get older, what do I, what do I have to hold on to? What do I have to hold? And so much of the Christianity that we've been fed, men in particular, has been anti-masculine. Somebody say amen. I just, I just dropped a bomb right there. So much of the Christianity amen. we've been taught has been anti-masculine because we've been taught by women. Boom. And, and nothing against women. I married one. I love women. But women ain't men. They're not men. Until this day, to this day, I still cringe when I look down on the football field and see a woman referee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I still cringe. I'm sorry. I'm, it's the old whatever you want to call it in me. I still cringe when I get pulled over by a female cop. I still cringe. Is it, anybody, will anybody else confess you? Yeah, that's me too, coach. Because I believe in the structure that we're in, men and women are equal in their rights, but they're not equal in their positions. Men and women are not equal. And the church has taught us men and women are equal, and they are not equal. And a woman has to step up in the house and take control because the man has been taught to not stand up and take the control. And the woman sees it, and she steps up because somebody has to. And as a result, we have passive Christian Man, boy, I'm all over today. Amen. Uh, I'm dropping a bomb all over today. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why it is the way that it is, but it is the way that it is. It is the way that it is. You know this? I know this about my wife. She would tell you this. She loves that masculine side of me. There's times that she says to me, oh, shut up. But she loves it. She loves it. She loves it. Come on in, Stephanie. Good morning, Coach. Uh, you talking about division in the family. I'm a single girl. Um, both of my parents live down in Florida. Since this all started, I have tried to tell my mom and dad, don't take the shot. Don't take it. It's not good. So my mom comes up during Thanksgiving and she's like, uh, we both had the shot. And they both think I'm crazy because I refuse to wear a face mask. And refused to get the death jab. Well, Stephanie, you're new to the you're new, Stephanie. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Come on in, Dale. Amen, Coach. Unfortunately, uh, the biblical truth is as a pastor, and I see what you're saying about you're not the problem. Your show not the problem, no more than anything else that comes and exposes something. Remember when Adam fell in the garden, what did he do? He turned to the wife and he pointed blame on her. She turned and pointed blame on somebody else. So, Coach, all you're doing is showing there's a there's a situation in the home. So instead of facing and resolving and working through and fighting together against the same common enemy, they want to turn and look at your show and point at it and say, that that's our problem. You know Amen. What I mean? I, 
I'm just I'm just exposing it, right? And so I still say the same thing. If I'm a, I'm on the beaches of Normandy, I don't want a woman beside me. I just I'm just telling you I don't, because there's something inside me, the way that I was raised, that I want to protect her. I want to protect that woman, and because I want to protect her, it endangers others who shouldn't be endangered. That's just the way I see it. Sorry, sorry. That's the old uh, whatever they call. It. Come on in, Doctor Paul. Go ahead. I just close down, and James come back in. Um, I have a lot of strong men in uh, the community at Maine stands up and the common denominator with them is they have very strong women with them. Yeah. As you well know. And, and I think it's obvious what's going on. And you've mentioned it's uh, separation of the family, uh, fatherless families. Uh, the boys don't know how to be men, right? No, that's they right. Never, right. And I think that's a big part of it. And obviously the, the, the banging that men have taken over the past four <clears throat> years for being men, you know, uh-huh. they, you know, they don't want you to be strong. They want you to, when I go to the gym, which is frequently, I look and I look around and I look at the men with their pink hair mm. and their scrawny bodies. And they're looking on the, the camera the whole time they got, they're on their phones and then I look at these strong women and they're flipping tires. They're pushing things. <laughs> yeah. and, I, yeah. and I feel more comfortable going up to the women and talking to them. And it, it surprisingly, every single one of them believes strongly in the Lord. And I don't know why that is. Okay. And, and then I talk yeah. to some of the men, they've gotten the jabs and it's like, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's it is. going to yeah. change. It's going to change. It's going to, it's going to, going to have to change folks. And, and listen, don't ever, disregard the fact that for the first eight years of their lives, most children have women teachers. Most of them have women teachers, right? And I don't care who, what, how strong a woman is, it's very hard for a woman to teach a man how to be a man. For a woman to teach a little boy how to be a man is very, very difficult. So we put our kids into the government indoctrination centers where they are trained by men or are women or men who act like women. I, I, hey, if you're an elementary school teacher and you're a man, God bless you. Look around. They all act like sissies. They all act like sissies. And so that's that's kind of how we got. Uh, quick, hang on. I'll come to you just real quick. I, I didn't want to spend this much time on this, but this is critical. Uh, I got several emails from people saying something like this. Wow, coach, listening to your wife really showed me her silent strength and why you're as strong as you are. I thought, boy, that is that ever true? I, I, my wife is so strong that I don't have to go home and worry about being browbeaten by her over something maybe I said since never and never ever happens. It just doesn't. It doesn't. So I know that when I come home, my wife's going to say, "You keep going. I'm in your corner." And yeah, maybe you screwed that one up. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. But you keep going. I'm in your corner. Women, you don't have any idea. You don't have any idea how that helps a man to be able to do it. When I come home and it's just Michelle and I, and she's not beating up on me, telling me how weak I am, it doesn't work. And so when I when I stand up and she's behind me, pat me on the back, makes a world of difference. Janine, come on in then, Jeff. James, you still have your hand up. I don't know if you want to come in or not. Go ahead, Janine. Um, I think we have two paradigms going here. I know my husband works in the city and the the men he sees are just, um, they're very weak. They're very feminized because of either, I don't know, lack of the food that we've had, the social, yeah. um, you know, conditioning. But in my eyes, what I see is... Um, I see men that usually want their, because I'm older, of course, but I see men who want their sports, they want their fishing, they want their hunting, and they only want to, um, usually when I meet a group of uh, couples, they'll uh, appease their wife by coming. They don't really want the word. And if they do, they want just a little bit to um, satisfy that, where the woman a lot of times is hungrier and you know, I was in marriage ministries for years and um, guys just didn't seem like they wanted to give up their their habits. And then if they were um, uh, questioned about it, it was, you know, instead of staying on the subject, 
they fight and bring in everything else to appease what they, to justify what they want Amen. to do. Amen. You can't get, they that's can't what get, I see happening. They can't get by their adolescence. They can't get by it. That's what's happening. Jeff, come no, on in. And they Jeff. won't, and they don't want to give it up. Amen. Jeff Nares. Hey, good morning, coach. Yeah, I just want to add on to what Paul said, you know, a fatherless society we have out there, but for the first time in all of history, we also have a grandfatherless society. Oh, for the first yeah. time ever. There's no kids are growing up with no history, no stories, no no belonging. Where do I come from? What did great grandpa do? Where do we f- come from? All those things have been lost, and so That's right. uh, I preach it all the time. But I, I just encourage everyone: you have to get involved, and you have to speak into every opportunity you have to speak into a young person's life. You got to do it, and you got to yeah. make some proclamations and some strong statements so that they can hear what they can become. Amen, Jeff. Great point, man. Well, I, n- I never missed a chance to speak in the life of my grandchildren, especially my grandsons. Go ahead, James. Then Clay. Christ intimacy. I'm just going to share my own personal experience because I was raised by my mother, had a dad that despised me, was a broken child all my life. And until uh, I reached inside and grabbed onto the courage that God gives us if we ask him. Yes. And, and said, Lord, I made him a husbandman. The scripture talks about husbandmen. You know, if we can make Christ, Christ mm. intimacy, you know, to be in Christ. Ephesians speaks of it yeah. uh, more than any other book. And that's the armor. That's not coincidence. If we, we have intimacy messed up. We do. We do. If, if and it's because of pornography, it's because of the sexualization of, of, of uh, our children and how we as men view intimacy is why we don't have any courage. That's right, brother. So I had intimacy this weekend with Steve Deck and Mike Blake and Craig and Rusty and being around men. There's an intimacy that is not sexual, right? It's not. Amen. Amen. And can I say this? I rue the day, I guess it already happened, when women entered into the locker room and, dare I say it, into the platoon. God help us. Clay, come on in. Two things, Coach. One is uh, the three words, take a lap. I wonder if people hear that very often anymore because I grew up all my life hearing that. If you got out of line... All somebody had to say that was an authority was take a lap. Yep. And then you'd straighten up or you'd get tough or or, or you'd do both. The today that means, is, Clay, today that means go sit in your mommy's lap and suck your thumb. They say take a lap. You go sit over on your mommy's lap and suck your thumb. Go ahead. And the other thing is when I was a kid, you went around to any restaurant, store, anywhere, there was there were kids getting spanked. Somebody was getting spanked for getting out of line. And when they took that Boy. away from us to where you couldn't spank a kid, wow. then it, it took the fire out of fathers because Boy. Clay, that's uh, now it's trying to be tough and raise kids to be tough. You get bombarded from every direction saying you're being too hard on them. Well, folks, think about that. When's the last time you saw some kid get spanked publicly? <laughs> oh, man, we're afraid to, aren't we? They're going to call the cops on us. Go ahead, Reggie. I bet you've done some spanking, haven't you? Oh, this weekend. <laughs> um, one of the things that I have noticed over the years is I learned a lot about the nature of the man and nature of the woman, then fallen human nature. And it, I think with men, women, they can live a life of servitude and they cannot have a lot of gratitude in return. We just keep doing and it. And, and we draw into ourselves. And I think that's where we we're. it's easier for us to have a relationship with the Lord. With a man, they're very sensual, meaning the eyes, the ears, the senses. They have to experience something, and they have to feel like they're getting something back. And not necessarily. I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what, I, what I've been taught. And yeah. if you hear about people's conversions coming from the male, they'll say, well, I hit rock bottom, or this really big event happened to me, and it changed because they had an experience. They had to right. But when right. women drag their men to church, they're not experiencing anything. No, they're not. They just no. stay right there. So I think so, that men just need to find God and help. Like they'll okay, the fruits of their labor. Like with boys, when they start working with boys, they find God. 
because they see something in the boy in a boy or you know changes yeah. them. So how about this one, folks? How about all those out there who get mad at me for yelling? And you listen to that guy; he yells. He's a he's what he's arrogant. He's a hey. Listen, what if you're going to find out at the end of the day that God's like me? He ain't Joel Osteen. What if you're going to stand before the Lord? It's going to be me yelling at you. It's going to be God yelling at you. Tell so, coach, you know, he's going to love. Oh yeah, <laughs> you better hope. You better hope. Come on in, Emma. And Joe Allen. Stephanie, you're new. We try to get first. Uh, we try to get new, uh, everybody a chance first. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Emma. Emma. Go ahead, Joe. In, in our house, Coach, they did get the spanking, and they learned how to move the wood pile, as well as our men that have the courage to join our military. Now we've got a secretary over the Pentagon killing them with a jab. Right. So right. where's our courage of men going? Well, because men are men are taught in church not to get angry, not to fight back, not to stand up, not to speak harsh over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Womanly Christianity taught to once masculine men. Womanly Christianity taught to once masculine men. Come on in, Keith and Bobby and Silver. I don't think the Lord's going to have to raise his voice, you know, a voice, <laughs> a voice of a thousand, you know, thunders. You, you get what I mean, though, right, brother? His voice does thunder, doesn't it? They tell us that. His voice is going to thunder. I'm with you, Keith. Come on in, Bobby and Silver. I got a fight in the hall over something stupid in the 10th grade. And uh, the principal paddled us. It was over, and we immediately went on with our lives. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the principal pa- uh, spanked you, whatever, paddled you, and you got on with your life? By the way, uh, who's Amen. working before that? Hey, Spencer, pull up. While, while I'm waiting, and we'll get Silver in here, Jack, just a second. Pull up. Uh, stand up in church. Stand up in church. Pull that up and move to the 7-minute, 30-second mark. Go ahead, uh, Silver. Hey, Coach, I was going to say that uh, you called Stephanie and uh, and then started calling Emma, and Stephanie got confused and dropped off. So Stephanie, okay. the new person? Yeah. The new person, Stephanie? I don't, <laughs> I don't know who you are, but... I do. Okay, see if you can get her in here. Well, she, she was in once. She's, and so she'll come back. She'll be okay. okay, okay. I, don't know, I don't know what happened to Emma. All right. Here's what, folks, listen, here's what I try to do the best that I can, okay? When the list is there, I try to give everybody a chance to speak once before I come back a second time. But also there'll be some times that I'll have an unction in my heart. Uh-oh, uh, Randy's been in here before, but Randy's got something. That... So I go by the Holy Spirit as well, right? And I'm not just saying, well, I don't want to hear from you anymore. I, I've... Come on, stop it. Who am I talking to? Jack? Are you in here, Jack? Yes, sir. I'm in here. Uh, Some of the people that have disciplined us seemingly the harshest have become our greatest mentors. Mm -hmm. My first football coach, before he or uh, wrestling coach, before he ever was my coach, I winged a eraser down the down the wall as he walked in the door and went right by his face. He was a giant man. He picked me up by the front of my shirt, looked at me, and said, we never do that in here. Put me down. I shook like a little child. And the next year, he was my coach. And, boy, was he a great man. Amen, Jack. They always remember, hey, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. As parents whom we love, we discipline, right? Come on in, Julie, then, uh, then JC. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, team. Um, I hope you can hear me. I think getting back to the school thing, I don't think with these kids there's no fear because there's no discipline. Right. There's no dis- very little discipline at home, right? Right. Very little. No, they don't fear the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord, not the love of the Lord. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Spencer, real quick. Spencer, get oh, you got you got that clip ready. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Coach, we got to spend Saturday afternoon with Pastor Neil Peterson. Manly. I was Man. with him yesterday. I was with him yesterday. We had about, I think, somewhere on seven or eight pastors show up, and some other men showed up, 
and they all went away with, man, that was great. That was great. It's, you know, Pastor Bill spoke to them and Pastor Neil and different pastors spoke up and it, but it was a bunch of manly men in there. Tough guys. It was good. Okay. So here's what I want to do. I'm, 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 I'm real. I'm going to talk to all, of, I'm going to launch this initiative here, right? Uh, I got a clip here. I want you to watch this clip. We need to do this friends all across America in churches. Men do men. Now th- what you're going to see here is women. But this is what we need to do, and it needs to be men. It's only two minutes. But imagine this going on in your local church or a local church that you don't usually attend. Go ahead and play it. Brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it a gift coming down to us from God our Father. I'm sorry, did you just say your troubles are a gift? you know that when your faith is tested, I'm sorry, I I, For a person with divided loyalty is... as unsettled as to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights uh, in heaven uh, and earth. Excuse me, Ben. Or your holiness. Ben's fine. <clears throat> or pastor. You just said that our troubles are gifts, and if that's true, I've got some gifts coming to me. Um, that's not actually what I was, um, let me just go back, but, uh, I think you're right. Uh, The verse should read, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Sorry, jumping in again. You just said that our troubles are joy, which is ridiculous. No, that's right. James won. What did James win? in the Bible. Right. Okay, here's the thing. It's actually kind of a beautiful meaning if you know. Mommy. You know what? We don't generally ask questions during the sermon. Sorry. Oh. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um... Where was I? That's a question. Is it? Also a question. You know what? Uh, we were almost near the end anyway, so let's sing. Hymn number... Yeah, there we go. There we go, right? Folks, I'm, go- oh, I'm not going to talk about it now. I'm t- oh, no, I'm not going to talk about it now. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. Craig, come on in. Yeah, Coach, I, I, for whatever reason, the fear of the Lord is being removed, you know, in the church and in society for whatever reason. And then I would just remind us of uh, Hebrews twelve eight. But if ye with, be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So mm-hmm. the, the, Lord ain't, the Lord ain't spanking your butt over something. You probably don't even belong to the Lord. That's what it says. That doesn't sound. That's not so, the name it, claim it culture. But you're right, Craig. Right. So in a way, are we turning all all these kids that we're not spanking when they're acting up or whatever? What are we turning them into? What are we turning them into? Hang on, Silver. Get you in here, Spencer. Pull up for me real quickly. I have a dog. I have a dog. Now, folks, this makes this goes to a point why I oh don't don't let me forget Josh Man why. I like the King James Version, okay? People say it doesn't matter. It does matter. Now, just imagine how this would be translated. I have a dog. The New American Standard Version says, I own a dog. The King James Version says, I hath a hound. The New King James Version says, I have a hound. The English Standard Version says, this is my hound. The NIV says, I have this puppy. The Amplified says, I graciously blessed by God beyond comprehension has been given this dog, man's best friend and loyal companion. The Message Bible says, so like there's this dog 
and I'm its master. And the Passion Bible says, oh, beloved dog, I'm so happy to have you as a great friend. Folks, that's what they've done to the scriptures, right? All of them saying a version of what, all of them saying a version of the same thing, but not saying the same thing. And that's why I think there's danger. Well, you guys know where I stand. Go ahead, Silver. Coach, uh, this little thing that you displayed there, uh, I have been through, okay? And so as not to make a public uh, dishonoring display of my pastor in church, I kept it kind of secret, you know? I mean, we have praise and worship, and uh, one of the things, one of my rules is I don't read the bulletin until we're done. (laughs) All right? And But in the bulletin is the little bitty scripture that they're going to enjoy during praise and worship. And this one was from Psalms that dealt with praising the Lord in the islands. You know, I said, okay. You know, and then I see a little thing. If you were not here last week, you can still give to the pastor's vacation fund to Hawaii. (laughs) I said, bullshit. And I put a quarter in the thing, and I said, I pray that it rains every day that you're there. Sign my name on it and put it in the collection. I was Good for you. Well, I was torqued, but there was more that happened later on that caused us to be excommunicated out of that church. Wow. Because he didn't like me. And my wife lost her job at that church because she was married to me. That'll teach him. That'll teach him. Yeah. All right. So sometimes, hey, man, they, most times they don't. Okay, I'm, hey, I'm going to come bring Dale in. I'm going to switch gears, although not really switch gears. Go on in, Dale. Hey, I appreciate that, Coach Ray. You know, I want to get back to this core of it. You know, if if why are these women women overseen and ruling the roost? Let's get biblical. Remember what the great prophet Elijah just goes up against Baals and prophets of Asherah. Man, what six, seven hundred and fifty of them by himself. Yet when that spirit of Jezebel rose up, what did Elijah do? He hid himself because he was afraid of Jezebel. Brother well, Jay, Daniel, it's the same thing. Uh, Eve usurped Adam's authority with his permission, by the way. Right. Well, do you know that that word, man, I heard this great teaching on, on the word Eve in the beginning. It's got like three different translations. And one of those is, Re, re, friction and resistance that's what she brings you know uh-huh. it's what she brings but what, the time in which we're living in right now what do we see we see these we see this it's call it feminism what do you want we see that jezebel spirit and what does it do it scares the prophets of god scares ahab yep yes sir everywhere jezebel uh thrives there has to be an ahab a man scared of a woman sorry Wait, it is. Not only that, Coach, there's also an Elijah out there. Listen, this is where we got to rise up with the spirit of King David and slay these giants. Amen. Women okay. are emotionally attached. They don't want you going. Listen, women would have been satisfied with David just knocking down Goliath. But a conquering, a conquering king says, go now chop off his head. Amen. Okay, so here we go. Roger, come on in, then I'm going to take you somewhere today. Stay with me. Go ahead, Roger. Isn't there a place in Genesis, I believe, that talks about it is desire of the woman to control the man? I mm. believe there's scripture that ties into that. I may be wrong, but I've read that. Okay. I, I don't know that to be sure, true, but it's the evidence is certainly everywhere we look, right? Everywhere we look. By the way, most of you, sorry, your wife married her dad in most situations. It's a great comparison that thing. Okay, I want to show you something. Switching gears really hard, but it's important that I do that. Super Bowl's coming up. No, I'm not going to talk about the Bengals and I'm not going to talk about the Rams. I'm, no, it's not even about that. I, I, Betty Betty Perkins was um, I saw Betty Saturday what, night. Saturday night, she was at our house and, and my, Michelle got talking about when I was on the Stephen Colbert show and 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 she, Betty Betty had no, never heard of it. She says, well, the people, the people in the queue haven't heard, heard that. 
Oh, yeah, they have. Oh, no, no, they have. Okay, so let, stay with me here a second. Was it uh, two years ago? Year ago I lose two years ago. You guys remember when uh, they had the uh, J-Lo and that other uh, whore danced half naked in the Super Bowl halftime. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, y'all remember that? Well, I went out when that thing was over. I went out in my car, literally in my car, in my driveway, and I made a video. And the video I made said I was going to sue uh, CBS or whoever it was for, I don't know, $100 million, something crazy. I just made up a number top of my head. But the video went viral. It went really viral. And I was mad that the, the fact that the Super Bowl would pump that filth into our living rooms at halftime without any warning. No, la- no warning label, nothing. Just all of a sudden it's halftime show and there's J-Lo's crotch right in our face, Right. Everybody's trying to cover the children's eyes and all that. And so I made the video about it. And like they always do when you do, when you do the truth, they laugh at you. They laugh at you. So Stephen Colbert, folks, this is, this is three minutes and 34 seconds. I want you to ask yourself this question. If I was going to try to buy advertising time on the Colbert show, what would it cost? Anybody have any idea what it would cost me to be on the Colbert show? I mean, we, I, we could, I couldn't, in my lifetime, I couldn't raise enough money to do it, right? But if Spencer would zoom out a little bit, you don't have to, Spencer. I can do it right here on mine. Not only was I on the Colbert Show, you're going to see it here in a second. How many views does this thing have, Spencer? Can anybody see how many views? One, 1,742,304 views of this segment on YouTube alone. Me, I get it. Now, this shows you how much over the target I was because the left, the devil's team, immediately pushed back and tried to make me look like a fool for merely standing up and saying that there ought to be a label warning on the halftime show. By the way, halftime show is coming up again, isn't it? So here's most of you have never seen this. This is three minutes, four seconds or so of Coach Dave Live, the subject of the Colbert show. In fact, well, just watch. Go ahead, Spence. Meanwhile, an Ohio minister and podcaster named Dave Daubenmeyer says he wants to sue the NFL because the Super Bowl halftime show made him horny. <laughs> I hope he means this year's halftime show because I'd hate to think he was aroused by Left Shark. <laughs> Apparently, what got Daubenmeyer all Daubenmeyered up was the Pepsi halftime show featuring Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, Daubenmeyer took to the internet to vent his very specific problems with it. I saw a lot of crotch shots. Dare I say that? Crotch shots from last night's Super Bowl. I'm looking for a lawyer out there, somebody who would join me in a class action lawsuit against Pepsi, the NFL, my local cable company. I don't, I don't know who all we would sue, but sue as many people as we want to for pandering Pornography. Jennifer Lopez, by the way, is 50 years old. 50 years old. Folks, I'm going to say this again really, really slow. J, J-Lo is 50. You go on a porn website, you're not looking for 50-year-old women. You're looking for 24-year-old women. Excuse me? Porn enthusiasts don't want to see 50-year-old women, sir? Does the term... MILF mean nothing to you? No, no. I'm sorry. I'm angry. But I'm a little confused as to how Daubenmeyer thinks he's going to win this lawsuit, so I've invited him here to explain. Please welcome Reverend Dave Daubenmeyer. Hello, Stephen. Howdy. Hello, Stephen. Thanks for having me on your filthy late-night sin and jazz music review. My pleasure, sir. My first question is, can you really sue the Super Bowl for having sexy dancers? Oh, it wasn't just the dancers. Everything in that halftime show shuddered with pure eroticism. The lights, the shape of the football, the Pepsi logo. I mean, look at it. It's a dolphin going to town on itself under a red umbrella. It's totally obvious. I, I don't see it, but sir, why didn't you just change the channel? Well, that wouldn't work, Stephen. This filth is everywhere. 
You got those golden girls shaking their bathrobed butts this way and that. Then the commercials start, and you got that depraved Kool-Aid man with his full round curves, that rock-hard handle, red frothy juice sloshing up and down the sides of the jug. No wall can keep him in. Okay, well, uh, that's all we have time for. I hope your halftime lawsuit goes well. I'm also suing Jugs Magazine. I bought a copy, and it only had human women. Where are the humanoid juice men? You... You've disturbed my audience, sir. I know. You seem very serious about this. I'm coming for you, juice man. Dave Dobbenmeyer, everybody. We'll you be right too, back. Steven. With Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Is that unbelievable? Is that, folks, is that unbelievable? See, now, when, when that happened, I didn't know how to react because they're doing everything they can to embarrass me. This wasn't done to glorify coach. This was done to make fun of any man, man, who would ever stand up against filth. You understand, you get this, you understand this, don't you? And they thought it was so important that they did a three-minute segment on it because the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks, it's probably going to have the same bull crap in it as well. And ain't going to be a man anywhere that's going to stand up and speak against it. Amen. Reggie, come on in. Coach, I'm going to tell you right now that man, this is an honor that he did that because the Lord used this Luciferian. And I, I will tell you the things I know about him off the air. He is a vile, wicked man. The things he has done to children. And so the Lord used him to glorify himself through pointing people in your direction. Yeah, both yeah. got pointed, both sides, but you got airtime and the Lord used that. That is a vile man that needs to be gone. Well, thank God for the blessing. What a blessing that was. Wow, the publicity, right? James, come on in, then Paul. Yeah, there is, uh, I think uh, Reggie can confirm this, uh, there's more children exploited. Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl week than any other time yep. during the year. Yep. Yeah, I make sure that uh, my my word didn't carry too far. That's for sure. Go ahead, uh, Paul. Come on in, Kevin. Well, Coach, pretty much everybody said Reggie said what I was going to say about Colbert. Um, you know, basically, you got a lot of free publicity. You know, the media they they overplay their hand. And um, you know, example, Donald Trump. I mean, when they put him on TV, they were trying to make fun of him. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is people started to vote for him. He became too much for him. So they overplay yeah. their hand. And that's what they did here. Because oh, you probably okay. got a lot of free publicity and a lot of people that t- started watching you because of what you stood up for. Yeah, but Paul, listen, here's something else that's just as important. Where was the national movement behind that? Where, where was, where was uh, dare I say it, Family Research Council? Yeah. Tony Perkins. Where was, where was Franklin Graham? Where was uh, John MacArthur? How come I'm the only guy complaining about it? Where was it? Kevin, come on in. Hey, Joe Silver, get ready. I want to have you read something for me. Go ahead. Yeah, you you weren't the only one that was upset about it, Coach, because I was upset at you, but you, I was upset also, but you got out there and made a video of it. Chad Prather also, Chad Prather, who's running for governor down in Texas, a comedian, mm. also made a about a three-minute video making fun of you, too, and yeah. I got – I got in touch with him through Twitter and me and him had a Twitter battle. And I, that was when we were going to the, hear the watchman. I, I challenged him to meet you and me at the hear the watchman <laughs> conference. Of course he didn't show up, but no, he, uh, he also, he also blocked me on Twitter, uh, Twitter, but anyway, um, but that's about him. You, you know, got, Chad, might, he, I don't know him. He might be a good guy, but he, he's, he spouted off without knowing what was going on behind it. Hey, Silver, you ready? I got to show, I got to show you this. I hate, yes, this shows a lot about me today. I hate to do this, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you something here. Okay. Hey, Spencer, uh, pull up. It says, uh, what does it say? Will anyone blow the trumpet? Somebody sent me this. Well, I could tell you who it was. Sent me this. I wrote this. I, I, I hate, sorry. This was, blo- I wrote this in 2015. I think it was on newsreviews.com. And I read this this morning. I thought, oh, my goodness. Hey, Reggie, how long ago is 2015? Uh, that'd be seven years ago. Seven years ago. Wow. Well, anybody blow the trumpet. And you know what Dave has written? I have it right here. January 30th. 
January 30th, 2015, I wrote this. And then what, six years later, five years later, I attack Colbert, or get attacked by Colbert. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead and read this one. This was at newswithviews.com on January 30th, 2015. Will anyone blow the trumpet? Is there no one who will stand for righteousness? America was once known as the land of the free and the home of the brave. Today, we are neither. In fact, it is the loss of bravery that has led to our loss of freedom. It's hard to find anyone who is willing to stand up for anything anymore, except for the God-haters. They are boldly standing up all over the stinking place for their demented agenda. Proverbs tells us that the righteous are as bold as lions. Evidently, we are not very righteous anymore. Christians have become the easiest pushovers in America, especially our pastors. They will neither do nor will they allow anything that might rock the boat. I guess that is because they think the church is either a hospital ship or a cruise ship, while the brave men who built this country saw the church as a battleship. Oh, for the good old days when men were brave and America was free. Amen! Has there ever been a time in American history when moral leadership was so lacking? I am reminded of what George Washington said in his farewell address. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. The mere politician equally with the pious man ought to respect and to cherish them. A volume could not trace all their connections with private and public felicity and that and and let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of particular structure reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. It is this lack of morality that has led to the demise of the nation. No foreign foe has ever, was ever capable of destroying this nation, but we have crumbled from within. Those great pillars, as Washington stated, have crumbled because we no longer have men who will boldly proclaim the truth. Why should we ever expect any politician to stand up for truth when the men in the pulpit are afraid to do so? Why should we expect politicians to fight to end abortion when the pastors won't? Oh, but my pastor speaks out all the time against what is happening in this nation. I had a woman tell me the other day. That's great, I responded. But does he ever do anything besides talk about it? Does he ever get his name in the paper for his public stand against the sin ravaging this nation? Do you ever see him out in the streets fighting against the decadence that is destroying the pillars of society? Do you ever see him at school board meetings raising hell with the debauchery and lies being taught to our children? Is there any specific group of citizens that hate him? Truth is dangerous. Fighting for it can get dicey. You can get yourself in a whole lot of trouble when you speak your mind. Most aren't willing to go there. Most won't take the risk. They have convinced themselves that preaching is fighting. Well, talk is cheap. 
preaching ain't fighting. Flapping one's jowls at the already converted gives one a false sense of accomplishment, yet signifies nothing. I am reminded of a story I once heard about President Lincoln. Although my details may be a bit sketchy, the story goes something like this. It seems that one of President Lincoln's trusted friends was delivering a message at a local church, and President Lincoln, out of respect for his friend, sneaked in the back just as the sermon was about to begin. The president stayed until the message was concluded and slipped out the same way he entered. The next morning, he had the opportunity to have breakfast with his friend, and the preacher inquired about Lincoln's critique of his sermon. It was well delivered and filled with enthusiasm, the president responded, but it was a failure because it did, because not once did you ask your audience to do something great. It is time for our pastors to do something great. Christianity is a lifestyle, not a religion. It is most alive when striving for the souls of men. The outward living of the gospel is the most dangerous act that a Christian man can undertake. Millions have died because of their stand. Millions more will. The current crop of Christian leaders are an affront to, to the Christ they claim to serve. Our spiritual DNA speaks of the exploits of the unnamed heroes of Hebrews 11, which describes such folks as those of whom the world was not worthy. See also. No, is, go, on, go on down. Skip that. All right. Can you name one man of God on the national stage who doesn't give a rat's behind about what people think of him? Can you give me one big-name Christian leader who is clearly articulating what is happening to the pillars of religion and morality in this nation? Over 100 million people will soon have a satanic ritual pumped right into their homes as Satan goes mainstream. The Super Bowl halftime show will be nothing short of a satanic ritual. Has your pastor warned you of this so that you can be aware while attending your church's Super Bowl party? Watch. Can you name one religious leader who will tell the world that homosexuality is a moral perversion? Or will declare that Islam is a lie and that followers of this religion of peace are on a fast track to a virginless hell? Or openly declare that abortion is murder and that those who participate in that sin are spitting in the face of God? Or declare that the actions of the current resident of the White House are some of the most un-American, unchristian fruit in the history of this nation? Won't someone openly defy the thievery of the IRS and the Federal Reserve or fight against the government subsidy of sin? Or openly and boldly declare that the idea of grace before repentance can be found nowhere in the Holy Word? Oh, there are thousands preaching but there are shamefully few who are actually willing to do anything. Our nation sits on the precipice. Unthinkable disaster lies just around the corner. The state is godless. The church is, the most, is most faithful when it fights against the rules and edicts of godless government. Every problem facing this nation is a moral problem. Everyone. Yet not one pastor in 10,000 will stand up and be counted. Remember this. Satan never preaches about heaven. He preaches the here and now. He tells you that God is love. Get all you can now. Be happy. Live a full life. Don't judge anyone. Most of America's pastors are preaching this same message. Hell is the church's business. That is why Jesus said that we are to be salt and not sugar. Judgment, sin, and personal and collective morality is the church's business, 
and business should be booming. Jesus told us a lot of things. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Take up your cross and follow me. The wicked shall be turned into hell, along with all the nations that forget God. He who loves his life shall lose it. We Christians simply love ourselves too much. Speech is never free. Just ask John the Baptist. Ask his cousin, the Christ. Their willingness to exercise their freedom cost them their lives. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense? I should consider myself as guilty of treason towards my country and an act of disloyalty toward the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. From Patrick Henry. Will any pastors fall in line behind him? Will anyone blow the trumpet? January 30th, 2015. Boom. We'll see you tomorrow.